A few years back, I was uh, working with a gentleman who had a very rough life. Uh, he was in his mid to late 20s, and he had already uh, gained an extensive criminal record, including several, uh, a couple of felonies. And uh, he had spent most of his adult life in the rough prisons of California. His exterior uh, also reflected his life. He was covered in tattoos almost from head to toe, shaved head, piercings, always wore black leather. He was part of the Aryan nation. He had just lived quite a life. He moved to, Cal uh, to Colorado looking and hoping for a new life. And so one day he wanders into Waypoints and we begin a conversation and then we begin a friendship and a mentoring relationship and we begin to spend time together. We spent so much time together that my boys began to call him uncle. About a year had passed and uh, we were gathering for our annual Waypoint picnic that we were having over at Sanborn Park. And so there was a bunch of us and we're barbecuing and throwing the frisbee around and all of a sudden somebody brings out a football. And when you get a bunch of guys together in a football, sooner or later a game's going to break out. And so sure enough, a football game broke out there in Sanborn and, and him and I ended up on opposite teams. Now, I'm not the smartest person in the world, but I had this voice in the back of my head saying, danger, Will Robinson. Uh, something was happening, all right? Uh, and so every time I was on offense, he was covering me on defense. And every time I was on defense, I'd be covering somebody else, but he would come from wherever to blindside block me. And when you're blind in one eye, you are really blindsided blocked. And uh, I was like, man, something is just not going right. Now, even though we're playing two-hand touch, you know, if you ever play two-hand touch, you're all going to end up in a pile eventually anyway. And so soon, uh, soon it happens where he's got the ball and he's running to my side. And so I move up to tag him, and one of my teammates moves up behind him, and the three of us just end up in a giant pile. And as I go to get up, he attacks me. He begins kicking and shoving and punching, and it only lasts a few seconds because everybody comes and just pushes him off, and I stand up and say, it's all right, it's all right, it's okay, it's okay, but that didn't calm anything down on his end. He begins yelling and screaming and, and flipping us off and, and cussing, and he, began, and he runs to his truck, just screaming and just all sorts of ugliness coming out. He gets in his 4x4 four four with the extra 2-inch lift and peels out and tells us we're number one with the wrong finger, and uh, off he goes. What do you do? What happens at this moment? You are a believer in Jesus Christ. You, you've now been assaulted. You've now been offended. Now you've been hurt. So now what is it that you are supposed to do? See, if you spend any time in relationships at all, you're going to get hurt. Mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, pain comes. There's a cost of human connectedness. We hurt each other. We live in a fallen world, a world filled with sin. Uh, we're surrounded by sinful people. We ourselves are sinful people. We make mistakes. We hurt each other. And in that pain, we have a choice. We can either forgive or we can get bitter. Those are our options. And outside of love, there is maybe no more foundational issue to Christianity than the issue of forgiveness. It's the core of our beliefs. Our whole faith is based upon it. It's the whole point of the cross. Peter, in his first altar call, if you will, his first street evangelism experience in Acts chapter 2, he says this, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It is forgiveness that allows us to have a relationship with God. 
Every sin that you and I commit comes with a price, and that price is death. Physical death, mental death, emotional death, spiritual death. Jesus died on the cross to pay that price. He took what we deserve, and he gave us what he deserved, which is just grace and forgiveness, love. He gave his life so that you and I could have life. Instead of death, you and I got forgiveness. We love forgiveness. We like forgiveness. We want forgiveness. We need forgiveness. It's just so doggone hard to give forgiveness. We love receiving it, but giving it is so much harder. The proverb I want us to focus on this morning is found in chapter 17, verse 9, that says this. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. This wisdom is played out every single day in our lives. We all have family, friends, relatives, neighbors, co-workers whose relationships are completely dysfunctional, completely separated because of unforgiveness. And every day you and I are going to experience hurt on a variety of different levels. And so therefore every day you and I have a choice to forgive or not to forgive. That is, that is the decision that we know. We know that we're supposed to give it. We just don't want to do it because we're mad, because we're hurt, because we think they don't deserve our forgiveness. You know what they deserve? They deserve our unforgiveness. And so I'm just going to hold a grudge against them, and that is exactly what we do. Or sometimes what we do is we blow it off. We pretend that it wasn't a big deal, even though that we know it's a big deal. We just pretend like it didn't hurt. Pretend like it didn't affect us at all. Or we have a whole list of why we're not going to forgive someone. See, forgiveness is a big issue for all of us. It's a struggle. It's a big struggle for being a human being. So I want us to spend our time this morning talking about forgiveness. And there's a bunch of notes in your U version if you want to follow along there. Forgiveness is this, literally. It literally means to cancel a debt that someone owes you. That sounds simple enough, right? It sounds so simple, but like every simple thing, we as human beings, we complicate it. We come up with all sorts of rules and problems and misconceptions about it, and we believe things that are simply not true. So I think in order for you and I to understand forgiveness, we need to first understand what forgiveness is not. I'm going to use some double negatives here this morning as we kind of wrestle through this issue of forgiveness, and we begin with forgiveness is not pretending that it didn't happen or that it didn't matter. See, remember, forgiveness is canceling a debt. So in order for me to cancel a debt, I have to first recognize that a debt is owed. I have to recognize. Somehow I am changed. Somehow I am different. My life has been affected. I am owed a debt, but I'm going to forgive that. But way too many times we buy into the lie that if I forgive someone, I am saying I didn't have any pain, that it was no big deal, that it didn't really matter. We're just going to sweep it under the rug. Don't rock the boat. Time heals all wounds. All these great sayings that we come up with that are wrong. <laughs> they're, they're stupid. They're, they're lies. They're not true. For five years, I was an educator for the federal government in their Building Healthy Marriage Initiative. And during those five years, I had the wonderful opportunity to uh, to teach uh, 5,000 couples on how to have a healthy marriage. And I love my job, and I learned a lot, learned tons. And one of the things that I learned was how much people try to sweep things under the rug and pretend they don't happen or didn't happen or that it didn't hurt. Uh, 
We just pretend. I'm standing on a rug here, and, and they're just people in their relationships. We've got all these rugs with all these bumps all over them because so much stuff that we've swept underneath them. And when we don't deal with those issues, they will begin to boil up into your current relationships, and they will begin to erupt at unimaginable times. And so these unforgiveness issues create conflicts in relationships. And I remember one specific couple I was working with, they, they were living together for a while, and then they decided to take a break. And then they got back together. And when they got back together, just uh, living together, for about four or five months, they then came to one of my classes. And, and I began to teach, and they said, would, would you meet with us outside of this and, and help us? Because we're having some problems in our communication. I said, absolutely. And it, it, it didn't take a rocket scientist to figure out what was going on. Just a few minutes within the conversation, I could discover what had happened. Well, while they were taking their break... The man in this relationship had spent all of his time trying to win her back. She, on the other hand, had spent all of her time exploring relationships with other men. And when they started talking about getting back together, she was completely honest with what she was doing and, and who she was doing it with and, and all of that stuff. And she asked him, is that going to be a problem? Is it going to be an issue? He says, absolutely not. He was so desperately in love. He so wanted this relationship that he was like, absolutely not. It's not a problem. I forgive you. We were taking a break. And he swept it under the rug, and he never dealt with it. And now here they are about four months later having all of these relational issues, and all of a sudden, in the midst of arguments and, and conflicts, all of a sudden, it would just erupt. And it created all sorts of problems because he never allowed himself to process through the emotions of that pain. He forgave her intellectually, but he could not forgive her from his heart. And he struggled with it, and he wrestled with it. See, another lie that you and I buy into that's just stupid is this lie, forgive and forget. It's such a beautiful statement. It's just so unbiblical. It's just not in human reality at all. There is not some giant divine eraser that just comes down and just erases your brain and you, you forget it. That doesn't work that way. It doesn't happen. Uh, and, but, but this is true. God says in Psalms 103 verse 12, He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. He also says in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 25, I, yes, I alone, which I think is pretty clear, uh, will blot out your sins for my own sake and will never think of them again. See, God can forgive and forget, but we as humans, we cannot. We will always have that memory. We can forgive and still remember. What, what will disappear is not the memory of the event, but the emotional tie that is connected to that event. As forgiveness happens, you are going to be healed of the emotional connection. See, here's another thing that forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not letting them off scot-free. See, somehow we've bought into this lie that if I forgive somebody, I can't hold them accountable. That if I forgive them, all of a sudden it's like, well, you just do what you want to do. And I'm not sure exactly where that came from. That's not true at all. <laughs> uh, forgiveness does not equal no consequences. So you can forgive someone and still hold them accountable for their actions. You, people love to throw this out. You forgave me so you can't hold that against me. That's their guilt talking. That's not forgiveness talking. We need to understand that God can forgive our sins, but our sins can still come with consequences. 
And in fact, God holds us accountable. At one day, uh, at some point, all of us will stand before God and give an account for our life. He forgave us, but we're still accountable for that. Forgiveness is not pretending that unacceptable behavior is acceptable. Forgiveness does not free us from our consequences. We can forgive and still hold someone accountable. Back to my story in the park. So what, what do we do? What, what do we do with this situation? I mean, it wasn't like this situation just happened in private. This happened at a church event. And I know you're all really excited to come to next year's picnic after my story. But... Uh, what, what are we going to do with this? And so we did everything we could. We texted and we called and we went to his place and multiple people multiple times trying to do that. And after about 10 days, the elders, we were all like, what are we going to do? I mean, we have to do something here. We can't just ignore this. We cannot pretend that unacceptable behavior is acceptable. We have to hold him accountable even though forgiveness is being offered. So eventually what we ended up doing was writing a letter and sending it certified mail. So that he had to sign for it. So we know that at least he got our point of view. At least he got the forgiveness, the offer of grace, the love, but also the accountability. See, the elders crafted in this amazing statement not just the affirmation of love, not just the affirmation of forgiveness, but also told him what the consequences of his action would be. That if he wanted to be back to the community which we wanted for him, that his apology would need, be, need to be as public as his offense was. Because the offense wasn't just about me. The offense was to the whole community. In fact, one of my children ended up going into therapy over this because he saw his dad attacked. This was an offense. It was way more than just one person. And so we said, you are welcome back as soon as you are ready to publicly apologize. We are going to restore all of this, that he'd just come back, acknowledge the hurt, that it was a big deal, and we love you. One year later, I'm sitting in my office, and the phone rings, and I answer the phone, and there is someone sobbing on the other end of the phone, and, and immediately I kind of go into pastoral mode, who is this, what's happening, how can I help, you know, sort of thing, and through these massive sobs on the phone came this guy's voice and his name. And I say, hey, brother, man, it's really good to hear from you what's happening. And through these massive sobs, he's saying, I have just been so utterly convicted that I need to get right with you, uh, that I needed to call you. In fact, would you come over and see me? Absolutely, I'd be happy to, man. Give me your address, because he had moved. Uh, and so I wrote down the address, and I hung up. I said, okay, I'll see you in a few minutes. I hung up. Then I called the elders, and I said, if you do not hear from me in an hour, send SWAT to... <laughs> I have no idea what I'm about to get myself into, right? So I'm sitting in my office, and I'm kind of praying about this. I'm like, well, Lord, what is about to happen? And okay, God, you want me to be an instrument of forgiveness? Okay, okay, here we go, here we go. And uh, so I called the guy, the third guy that ended up in the pile with us. And I said, you want a road trip? He's like, yeah, come pick me up. I was like, okay. And so I picked him up, and we went to the address. And, and the address was an apartment where the front door of the apartment was in the alley, just to make it a little bit more creepy, right? And I mean, you couldn't see another human being from the spot. I was like, oh my gosh, this is not good. My heart's beating out of my chest. And, and I'm standing there, Lord, I don't know what's about to happen. And I knocked on the door, and the door just flew open, and I thought, I need to change my pants. I, you know, I was just like, <laughs> and this, this man falls into my arms, sobbing uncontrollably. 
He's got the shaved head with the tattoos, the piercings, got his leather jacket on, and just sobbing into my chest. Snot, tears, everything. I'm like, have you ever had a hug that went a little too long? Everyone, and you're like trying to, you can let go now? Yeah, I tried that like three times. It didn't happen. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to get comfortable. <laughs> Standing in the doorway with a big old sobbing man in my chest. Okay. And he's sobbing, sobbing. Finally, he's able to get himself under control and he invites me in and his wife's there and I greet her and his dad's there and I greet him. And the five of us sit down and we have a long conversation. And I tell him, brother, I love you, man. I, I, I knew exactly what happened in that moment, man. A, a switch just flipped of your old life, man. I get it. I forgive you. It's not a problem. And he was so gracious and, and we talked for a minute and he said, I would really love to come back to church. And I said, we would love to have you. You remember what needs to happen? He goes, yes, I do. I need to come and apologize to the community. Yeah, yeah, you do. I'll kid you not, two days later on a Friday night, he stood on stage with me and apologized to the whole community. And forgiveness happened and healing happened. Does that mean that I invited him over to my house for barbecue that next weekend? No. Did that mean I invited him over to babysit my kids? No. So you need to understand something, guys, that trust, when it is broken, needs to be rebuilt. And one of the lies that we begin about uh, believe about forgiveness is when I forgive somebody, that means I have to trust them again or I have to invite them back into my life. No, you don't. No, 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 no. When trust gets violated, you have to slowly begin to build that trust. But trust and forgiveness are two separate issues. I can forgive and still not trust that person. See, forgiveness plus trust equals reconciliation. Reconciliation is different than forgiveness. So let me illustrate it this way. Say you and I are walking in a relationship, and this is the level of our trust, and then all of a sudden some violation happens, and boom, our trust is broken, or it's damaged, or it's destroyed, and it's here. Then slowly we have to begin to build that trust up, and when the trust equals the same level after the offense as it did before the events, then you are reconciled together. That's reconciliation. Forgiveness plus trust. See, I can forgive someone and not trust them, but if I want to be reconciled, then I have to be in a relationship enough where trust can slowly, over time, be built. And as we do that, then we can finally be reconciled. So, did reconciliation ever happen with this guy and me? And the answer is no. We started sharing life together again. I started mentoring him again. We were building this trust, working through this, and about six, eight weeks into it, he arrived at my office one day and said, well, I'm out of here. What do you mean? I put all my stuff in the truck, and I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm leaving. Where are you going? So I'm, I'm moving to the East Coast. I, I, I got a job to go out there. What? And he just left. Not just left me, not just left Greeley, not just left the church, but left his wife, left his son, left it all. Never heard from him again. Forgiveness happened. Reconciliation did not. But the important thing that happened, healing. Healing happened for me. Healing happened for him. Healing happened for the community. And that's the point of forgiveness. Healing is the goal of forgiveness. Only love and forgiveness will allow us to move forward. Now, now I have one more lie about forgiveness that we need to talk about. And honestly, I think it's the biggest lie that we believe about forgiveness. We believe, I will forgive as soon as I stop hurting. My friends, forgiveness comes at the beginning of the healing process, not the end of the healing process. 
you will never be free of the pain as long as you have unforgiveness in your life. There's an old saying about forgiveness. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. The only one who's dying because of your unforgiveness is you. And yet I hear it all of the time. I hear it all of the time. I, I, that person does not deserve my forgiveness. It wouldn't be grace if they deserved it. And by the way, you didn't deserve God's forgiveness either. It was by his grace that he gave it to you anyway. If you have the courage to forgive them, then you will be set free. Oh, one more newsflash. Your unforgiveness is not hurting them at all. In fact, they don't care. The only person who's being hurt right now by your unforgiveness is you. See, another saying says this, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and then to discover the prisoner was you. I agree with that. Unforgiveness is killing you. Forgiveness isn't just fighting for the right thing. It's not just fighting for the holy thing. Forgiveness is fighting for yourself. You forgive because you deserve to be set free. And nothing is as freeing as forgiveness. Forgiveness is the way that we unplug from the past. And you not forgiving causes you to stay in that situation, connected to that. You stay connected to your source of pain. And that is when bitterness will grow inside of you. The writer of Hebrews puts it this way in chapter 12, verses 14 and 15. I'm going to read the voice translation because I just think they do a beautiful job of it. It says this, Pursue peace with everyone and holiness, since no one will see God without it. Watch carefully that no one falls short of God's favor, that no well of bitterness springs up to trouble you and throw others off the path. See, unforgiveness will sow a seed of bitterness in your heart. Now, I had the wonderful pleasure growing up with both sets of my grandparents, and, and in fact, uh, I had the wonderful pleasure of growing up with three of my great-grandparents. In fact, one of my great-grandparents was alive still to the point in which Lindy and I got engaged. So she was uh, along for most of my life, and that was my great-grandma Jo. Uh, and, and, but i got to be honest with you, Grandma Jo and my Grandma Dee, they couldn't get along at all. Uh, mother-daughter. They, they just could not stand each other whatsoever. And according to my Grandma D, uh, my Grandma Joe was the worst mother to ever be on this planet. Just horrible, according to her. And so snide, hurtful comments would come back and forth, usually at family gatherings. Anybody experience that wonderful joy? Yeah, that's always awesome. Uh, and so they would come back and forth. And even after my great-grandma died in the early 90s, the comments still came. And in 2010, we moved my grandma out here to, to be with us, and, and the comments would still come. And I remember sitting with my grandma. She's 80, uh, 86 years old or so at this time. And I was sitting here with, with her one afternoon. She made some comment. And I remember just kind of leaning forward on the table with my forearms, and I said, Grandma, I love you, but you have got to forgive your mom. She's been dead for 20 years. You have got to let this go. And for the first time and probably the only time, I saw a look in my grandmother's eyes of not just being offended, but confrontational, and said, I will never forgive that woman. She doesn't deserve it. And that bitterness stayed in my grandma's heart until the day that she died. Paul puts it this way in Ephesians chapter 4. He says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. 
See, bitterness and unforgiveness want to set their hooks deep in your heart. But Paul understands that unforgiveness can wreck your relationships. They can wreck your heart because that bitterness will grow. And as it grows, you'll begin to struggle with anger and harsh words in all of your relationship. See, here's the truth that's just radically affected my life. The world inside of you will create the world around you. You cannot create the world you do not know. You do not see the world as it is. You see the world as you are. And then by your thoughts and by your actions, you create the world around you. And your mind and your heart is where your future is formed. And so if your mind and your heart is filled with fear or anger or greed or envy or bitterness, those are the only worlds you will ever know. Jesus puts it this way in the Gospel of Luke. He says, a good person produces good things from a treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from a treasury of an evil heart. Whatever you say flows from inside of your heart. And when you've got bitterness in there working, it's just going to spring forth out of your mouth. Man, have you ever said something that even surprised you? Right, it just comes out of your mouth, and you're like, where did that come from? What, what the heck, right? Did I say that? Right, and it just comes out. It comes from right here in your heart. That's where it's at. It came out, and instead of just dismissing it, you got to question it. Where did that come from? What in my heart am I not dealing with? See, the Proverbs and their wonderful wisdom says this in chapter 14, verse 10. Each heart knows its own bitterness. The wisdom of the Proverbs also says in uh, chapter 4, verse 23, guard your heart above all else, for it will determine the course of your life. See, here's the hard reality. Even if it's not your fault, it's still your responsibility. Though the wounding was not your fault, the healing is your responsibility. Even though your past may not be your fault, your future is your responsibility. Even though their choices are not your fault, your choices are don't let those who are at fault keep their holds on your life by relinquishing your power to change and to be free of them. Bitterness is how your soul lets you know that they still have power over you. Now, I want to take just my last few minutes. I never want to, like, come and talk to you about something and not give you some practical steps. So I want to take the last few minutes and just give you some practical steps of how to implement this in your life, how to push into forgiveness and fight that bitterness. So step number one. You got is perfect. Here's the hard truth. Even if we don't want to admit it. We expect everybody around us to be perfect 100% of the time. Now, I know some of you are like, no I don't Todd. Yes you do. You expect everybody to be 100%. Because the moment that they mess up. Our response is, oh who do you think you are? How dare you? Right? And we get all sorts of offended because they're not perfect. And at the same time, we expect everyone to realize we'll never be perfect. So then when we screw up, we say statements like, but I'm only human. I mean, come on, right? We have a double standard. We expect everybody to be perfect so they don't hurt us. But we also expect people to give grace when we hurt them. No, 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 we can't do it that way. We got to realize that nobody is perfect. We can't live in this double standard. Everyone has fallen short of God's glorious standard as Paul puts it in Romans. we got to learn to forgive quickly. Don't hold on to stuff. Accept each other's imperfections. Remember your own flaws. Remember that nobody is perfect. And, and maybe to help with that, here's Jesus' very harsh words in Matthew 6. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But 
If you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. I think Jesus takes this whole forgiveness thing a little seriously. It's a big deal to him. When we fail to meet somebody else's standards, we want forgiveness. So when they fail to meet your standards, then you need to be able to give them forgiveness. Number two, reject revenge. you got to give up your perceived right to get even, man. We live in a world where it's all about paybacks, right? we got our own statement. Paybacks is a... I won't finish that, all right? we got these statements about, oh, I don't get even I get ahead, right? And then we have these sayings about, I am going to get you because you got me. No, no, no. You cannot fall into that trap. That trap leads to bitterness. All that resentment, all that bitterness, all that anger, all those grudges, it won't do anything positive in your life whatsoever. You got to give up and reject revenge. Revenge will not change the past, but it definitely will mess up your future. Give it up. Don't do it. Number three, receive your pain. I think this is where most of us mess up. You've been wronged. You can't sweep it under the rug. You can't pretend it didn't happen. You can't pretend unacceptable behavior is acceptable. you got to grieve your pain. And it is okay to grieve. It is okay not to be okay. Okay? You with me? you got to be okay not being okay. It takes time. Forgiveness is the beginning of the grieving process, not the end. And so to truly forgive, you have to feel that offense. My daughter-in-law, Dagny, uh, uh, just is so brilliant. Um, this uh, last uh, two days ago was the one-year anniversary of her little sister passing. And so I took her out to lunch, and we were talking and, and just kind of processing. And then she said something so awesome. I was like, you need to repeat that so I can write it down, so I can steal it. And she said this, to fully live, you must fully, uh, excuse me, you must fully heal. And to fully heal you must fully feel. You got to feel it. You know that it hurt. You got to grieve it. And in those moments of sobbing, you're doing the work. And in those moments you're hurting, you're healing. The way out is the way through. Emotional pain cannot kill you, but running from it can. Finally, number four, you got to receive a new story. You got to allow God to use this pain. Here's the great thing about God He will never waste suffering, He never will. There's a reason that you have experienced that. And he's going to take your woundedness that you think makes you weak, and he's going to take that woundedness and he's going to make it your strength. He will use everything you experience. And when we forgive, we grow. It serves a purpose. That the same God who turned water into wine can turn your pain into someone else's gain, your hurt into someone else's healing, your worst day into somebody else's best day. And beyond uh, your despair, there's a story of hope. And beyond betrayal, there's a story of forgiveness. And beyond the pain, there's a story of healing. And beyond the sorrows, a story of joy. And beyond the cross was a story of the resurrection. There's a new story awaiting you once you forgive. And you've got to receive that new story. And when you receive that, you'll resist the trap of bitterness that wants to keep you locked into your past. And when it comes to following Jesus, we as believers should be the most forgiving people on the planet. Because we've been forgiven the most. Let me close with this. There's a wonderful story in Luke chapter 9 where a woman invades Simon the Pharisee's dinner party and she begins to wash Jesus' feet with her tears and her hair. And Simon is judging Jesus. And Jesus knows that Simon is judging him. In fact, Simon, it says, that is thinking this thought, if Jesus only knew the scum that is washing his feet. I love that when you look at the original Greek. 
And Jesus responds to Simon. He turns to him. And in essence, he says this. She is doing this because she understands how much she has been forgiven. And because she understands the depth of her forgiveness, she has this joy that needs to be expressed. And so, so Jesus tells Simon, you love little because you've been forgiven little. And Jesus draws this connection that the more you are forgiven, the more forgiveness you are able to give. The more you are forgiven, the greater amount of love you are able to give. Would you please join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we, uh, we come before you this morning talking about an extremely difficult conversation. There, I, I'm sensing there's some of us out there that are truly fighting this message because we'd rather hold on to the bitterness because we just hurt so much. And so, Father, I, I want to pray in your mighty name that you would just work through that in their life, that you'd break through, that you'd say love is more powerful than your pain. Love is more powerful than your anger. And that if you will forgive, that love will fill not only the hole in your heart, but it will expand your heart. And so, Lord God, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you would help us all to be better at forgiveness. That would reject bitterness, that would reject the lie that Satan wants to hold on to us, that we would be forgiving the past and moving forward to a much better future. And so, Lord Jesus, release us today. Help us to give it to you. Thank you for the forgiveness in which you gave to us when we didn't deserve it. And help us give forgiveness to others who don't deserve it either. Father, we love you. It's in your precious and holy name that we pray. And all of God's people said, Thank you.